Welcome to the Musical Movie Marathon, and I'm David. And I'm Andrew. And we've just finished watching... Um, what did we finished watching? South Pacific! Yay! I haven't seen it for a long time, if I've ever seen it. And uh, I remember watching clips of it and being weirded out by some of the scenes, being bored by others. It is. Uh, it has dated, Um and I want to ask two questions of you after you've mm-hmm. said your general thoughts, Dad. Oh, okay. What do you think of the special effects, especially the colour? <laughs> um, what did you think of the um, the the the? the oh, I've forgotten what, what the, the second one was. Oh, oh, and could it be remade today? And um, but but a lot, probably most importantly. Um, how is the music and how did the music impact what sort of story and how it was told? Um, because that was the one thing that I think stood out to me the most was just how um, clever it was musically. But there are a lot of concessions that we must give in our praise of this. Would you like to give the concessions, Dad? Oh, well, um, general thoughts. Okay. Yeah, general thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for Rogers and Hammerstein, uh, this was the love musical. So the Sound of Music was about families, and this um, Mary Poppins, of course, was about Mary Poppins wasn't Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah, but there was about um, the King and I children's, and yeah, King and I was obviously about. Um, well, yes, it was love, but this one um, deals with love on so many different kinds of love, so many different levels and trials and tribulations and. Um, I think mostly about the differences in love and how um, people who are very different can fall in love together. Uh, yeah, so uh, in that regard, um, it's still a very important um, musical. Um, it was iconic of its day. This, To me, uh, South Pacific is to musicals what Gone with the Wind is to movies. Really? I think so. Wow. I think this is, this is the... Um, the the musical of musicals in in terms of romance. So, uh, concessions. Um, 1950s, we've got Technicolor, we've got filters, um, probably post-production, I think, rather than uh, during filming, um, which they just overdo. (laughs) And it really annoyed me the first time I saw it, all these, um, this wash of yellow, or even at one point red, Oh, and they had this nice little sequence going. Then it was yellow, then it was red, then it was green, then it was blue, and it was really distracting. <laughs> the other thing that distracted me the most um, uh, throughout the whole movie was the deliberate use of smoke in front of the camera. It's just a real pain. Um, but that was their attempts in those days to get this sort of mood thing going. Um, they used some soft uh, filters on some of the cameras to get this... Um, to, yeah, this sort of overall effect or or the circle effect when they wanted to show that someone was focusing more on um, a particular person or something. Uh, yeah, so apart from that um, and the obvious miming so you couldn't really tell if they were really singing that or not, um, uh, the the rest of the production is, is just fun. Um, they're obviously on location. They've got real troops there. Um, and they've got real equipment there, like like the planes. Um, and so on. So, um, yeah, it's done well. Uh, but as in terms of the music, your, your final question there, um, simply iconic. Uh, we're still singing one, maybe two of those songs, certainly one of them. Um, 
today uh, and lots of them can still be brought out for particular concerts or times um, and, uh, and, and they're still good uh, just as songs even without the context um, the context of course helps if you know where the songs come from where they are in the story who sings them, why they're singing them um, that makes a big difference as well but um, Rogers and Hammerstein, OK Sound of Music was, you know, the iconic TV musical, but this one, this is the ultimate romance. Um, and for people of its generation, yeah, this is, this is the biggie. Yeah. All right. That's really, really interesting that you spoke of none of the concessions that I was thinking. Oh, OK. I was thinking <laughs> that it um, is a product of its time in terms of its Orientalism. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's uh, it, it portrays racist stereotypes. It, it um, is not authentic to the people it's trying to represent, um, and it um, doesn't critique. It, it it uses the conflict of a white person experiencing romantic feelings for someone of a different race, but it doesn't um, comment on the the morality of um, such feelings and the motivations behind them uh, in terms of uh, whether it's um, there's a fancy word for um, when you when you like something because it's exotic yeah exoticism oh yeah exoticism okay Um, and and so it deals with that and I think you're really interesting in pulling out the theme of difference like love amongst difference Mm. Um, whether it's biracial love or whether it's um, older and younger of different countries. Divorced. Divorced. And, or, 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 or uh, bachelor, uh, not bachelors. Widows. Widow, widowers. widowers. Yep. Widowers and others. Um, and I, I think it would be strange to try to see if this film can kind of be, or this story can be redeemed from its um, the foibles of its time and I haven't even mentioned the the sexism which I didn't notice too much of but there was certainly um, a lesser role for women in this story than than for men even though it's a love story you know Um, which is which is um, so fascinating but with those concessions said um, it is an enjoyable musical if you don't mind a bit of seriousness, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not as sad as um, other musicals like Showboat. Yeah. Um, there is loss of life and, and other things as well, and other tragedies. Um, and it is dramatic in the ups and downs of will they or won't they? Um, will she, won't she? The, that sort of thing. Um, will he, won't he? Will he, won't he? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and um yeah it's what what i um uh, i don't i'm finished yeah yeah i thought so <laughs> <laughs> it's just respecting your time that didn't want to interrupt okay so i think something to remember is, is the context so it was written in 1949 it had been on stage for 10 years before this one was made in 58 mm. uh so uh, context-wise, I think it was actually ahead of its time. 
while it is um, by today's standards very sexist, um, in the sense, mostly in the sense of gender role stereotyping. So the the way that what the, ex- the expectations of uh, the different roles, particularly women, obviously, um, the freedom that women have or don't have, the um, the sort of social niceties, the expectations, and the way women are treated, uh, you know, sometimes with respect and sometimes uh, not with respect. Yeah, so those things are definitely evident. However, I would say they are um, of the time. Uh, and so for the, for the movie to actually um, not condemn uh, mixed uh, race love um, and not condemn um, loving uh, internationally, uh, you know, people from different countries, um, and not condemn uh, people loving of different ages or um, of widowers, I think that was a big step forward um, for, for Rogerson. Uh, well, for the movie makers um, to do that in in that time. Mm, interesting. Um, nowadays, of course, it's you know what's the big deal? Ho hum. You know, it would have to be different kinds of relationships that would be, um, you know, uh, put into that if you were going to remake it. I don't think you you can remake this. I don't think you should. Um, I think it. I I te- uh, treat the movie now a bit like Showboat as a piece of history in itself. Um, so while it is obviously fiction, um, loosely based on um, you know events in World War Two, um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, trying to compare it by today's standards it doesn't really work. Um, one thing you did mention, which was glaringly obvious, and um, I should have mentioned earlier, but there you go, was um, their treatment of uh, the Polynesians. That probably more than anything really annoyed me. <laughs> Even oh, I don't know, the smoke was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I think my um, bugbear with the um, can I hold this for you? Yeah. <laughs> um, with the Polynesians is that they never identify exactly where they are. Yeah. Um, and that annoyed me intensely. Um, and the other thing is when they do visit um, the island. Of Bowie yeah, of the natives. Um, there, there's a huge mixture of cultures there. Yeah. The, they've um, they've got all, all sorts of artifacts, cultural resources from all different kinds of Pacific Island uh, nations. So um, to mix them all up in one place is very strange and very weird. Um, and I find that um, yeah. Uh, Unfortunate that they didn't really identify one particular people group. Mm. Uh, later in the movie, they identify, they mention Bougainville, um, which obviously places them uh, in the Coral Sea, uh, in which um, that makes a lot more sense. The other tricky thing about that is, of course, um, around Bougainville, Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, they're not Polynesian, they're Melanesians. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a difference. And I did see, and it was quite confusing, I did see a lot of Melanesian culture in um, in the movie. So um, that, that was, um, even mentioning the whole thing is just called South Pacific, really. But there you go. Um, so apart from the treatment of <laughs> Polynesians and Melanesians and the treatment of women... Um, I still think it's it's a good movie um, in terms of 
um, remembering and um, enjoying the trials and tribulations, um, the logic and emotions um, of of courtship and and of starting um, relationships, um, and of course of romance. Hmm. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about the cultural aspect of this movie is um, that. I would love to sit down and watch this with my friend GL, who's who's um, uh, Filipino, and mm. and um, maybe with my Indonesian friends as well. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I can't quite do that, but the um, we're in just in different countries at the moment. <laughs> but uh, she has mentioned to me um, that there is uh, a trend in the Philippines, at least, um, which is a very modern. Uh, country uh, that th- th- there's this kind of romanticism of white men oh, yeah. for for Filipino women to and um, there's there's also a little s- sub push against that you know mm. um, yeah and, and that that and that's really interesting that that this there's more dynamics to the story than just what we're seeing mm. how accurate is this how do the uh, sorry the polynesians melanesians how do they feel about the situation why is um mary mm. so keen to marry off her oh, daughter yeah, to this yeah. lieutenant you know and if not then she'll marry the the french plantation owner you know and and it's just it's it's uh it's kind of sad uh, and it's um yeah it's it's very um but it, it's it's more than just um but but here's the here's the other thing about it and it leads me to that is that it uses this tense background of war yeah, yeah, and yeah. separation from home and um you know separation from the people you love to and and this um, confusing culture all around you, this foreign culture, it uses that to tell a beautiful story um, of learning to accept people who are different to you. Um, and and I think that that was really um, that that's that's powerful when you and and that's something I think that we can do. In every generation, we can use oh, yeah. the um, situation, the tense situation around us, mm. to tell a cool story uh, that relates to every generation and everyone. Yeah. Um, and that that's about that's that's about all I wanted to say. Apart from the fact that um, it came out the year after World War Two ended, nineteen forty. What when when did World War Two end? Oh, 46. 46. And so this came out two years after that, in 48, right? 49. 49. 49. So three years after that. So it would have been in production. So it would have been really, really recent. Mm. And um, how do you think the audiences would have felt about watching something so close to home? Yeah, I I think it would have been fine. Because one of the things, of course, that the movie does is it um, romanticizes the South Pacific, which is lovely. So um, (laughs) it would have been a great tourist video. so for, for people to come out of the um, trials and tribulations of World War II, I'm thinking particularly of the American uh, United States public, 
coming out of those uh, those times, rationing and so on, um, and then starting to rebuild um, at the end of World War II, um, and to see this um, great movie with um, relatable characters, um, realistic sort of um, lessons about love, um, so it's not just glossing over things. Um, and there's beautiful surroundings. Yeah, yeah, I can see why people would would flock to it. I don't. And and of course, yes, they are milking, if you like, the the setting of of what um, you know the world had just been through. Um, but it, it makes sense to um, uh, to to use those times and to relate uh, with them. Um, in terms of um, a love story set against the backdrop of of um, violence. Yeah, well, good old Shakespeare did it with Romeo and Juliet and yeah, <laughs> the wars between the Montagues and Capulets and yeah. Um, so it's it's um, war and peace. No, uh, yeah, and, yeah, it uh, definitely. Gone with the wind. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely um, something that good writers have have found. Um, and what I liked about the movie was they actually discussed it. Um, you know, they're trying to convince uh, one character to do something. And he's saying, but basically he's saying, look, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm in love, and that's more important. Um, it's more important than saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so the, that, the, you know, the, the does my personal situation um, override the needs of my nation or my people or a whole lot of people? Um, there's a whole obviously various um, opposite philosophical viewpoints, but the the movie actually shows those and um, it discusses them. It doesn't um, make a decision either way, but it just shows that there are two realities: um, the larger picture of the war, um, the smaller picture, the personal picture, um, coexisting at the same time, and people do have to often choose between them. And um, the movie shows. That those choices uh, in both ways that you know when people choose um, for the personal and when people choose for the greater good uh, I think it really probably promoted the greater good rather than the personal but yeah, yeah. This, well the yeah. personal it was actually the personal was worked out by the greater good in the story yeah. in the story <laughs> okay um, I want to comment on the special effects you've commented on oh, that's right. um yeah. The special effects in terms of the colour and the smoke and the vignettes, all of which are very non-naturalistic uses of camera techniques, um, and they naturally separate the audience from the story, which is kind of interesting because music and singing, a character singing in the the movie, can do both, right? A, A song can jolt uh, a person out of the reality of the mm-hmm. movie but it could also draw the audience member deeper into the reality of the characters and i think that um likewise with with special effects that are naturally separate naturally unrealistic or unnaturalistic the it can again do both so if because it was trying to do this whole um, dream sequence or dream likeness during, especially the songs, and and during the conversation, the dialogue, it was almost always um, plain. 
But when they were singing, it was very, very often in some wash of colour. Um, all smoke. And I didn't mind, um, I, but only because I was... Um, I knew that it was they were doing it on purpose and they were they had a goal with it. They were trying to, mm. you know, make me, you know, plunge me into the romanticness of it or the unrealisticness of this the the singing. But I th- I think you're right in saying that it was jarring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so you've got to be really clever about the way you do it, and not just throw the audience in there <laughs> unless. It's the very first thing they see, if, if it's the introduction. Now, that's the next thing, uh, is the adaptation of this from the stage to the screen. And I could tell that there were conversations they added for the screenplay. Uh, for example, I think the one in the plane with our lieutenant and the pilot was mm-hmm. and I or maybe all maybe the whole pilot character was added, but I'm not sure, um, or or maybe just expanded. But yeah, a lot of those things that you can do in a movie that you can't do on stage, mm-hmm. like yeah. dropping someone out of a plane and yeah. dropping him a boat from the air and yeah. and having the Japanese shoot at him when he's in this boat and having these planes come and bomb the the guns on the island and. All of that that scene and a lot of I, I wonder if that whole event of this this um, this Willis Billis guy um, doing that crazy stunt was added for the movie for drama and and I wouldn't be surprised and I think it's a great thing that to add I, um, I think it added a lot to the to the picture and it's wonderful when you can have a musical that is also able to do that sort of stuff because the stage is limiting in the amount of real events that it can portray true anything about the adaptation uh yep yep so um i think you're right about the the plane uh, any, basically anything to do with the plane was not in the musical it's the stage show that i've seen um, as for the guys uh, on the island, yes, that was part. As for the bombing, yes, that was part. Or the shooting, that was part of it. Uh, but in terms of of the conversations in the plane, of the diversion of dropping someone out, out of the plane, of getting shot in the plane, now all that is new um, t- to the movie, and it works. Um, we do need to mention. Uh, the uh, the comical character, he's um, really important to the um, stage show, mm. um, and has a lot of time and and is that light relief that everyone from Shakespeare onwards has used. Um, and he, he is the everyman. He's he's um, the guy who has um, pretty much selfish uh, motivations, but uh, always is that that good guy who comes through for others when needed. So um, that character is really important. So there, there are some differences between the, the stage and the movie there. One thing I do want to say, I was thinking about it, and yes, I think this uh, Rogers and Hammerstein have uh, matured. In this stage show, I think this is their, uh, the maturity of the musical in that every song relates to the story mm. every song moves the story even the beginning there's nothing like a dame the the, the idea is you know they're setting up they're, they're telling us the, the uh, setting a setting they're, they're telling the audience that 
um, you know, personal relationships are important, <laughs> even in the bigger picture, or maybe especially in the bigger picture. Um, and uh, and that, yeah, men and, and women are looking for companionship and love and all those other things. So, yeah, wash that man right out of my hair, which is um, playing in the menu at the moment. Short, sweet, fun song. Um, and yeah, so there are a couple of comical songs. Um, pleased to see um, one of the Polynesians, although I think she's more Melanesian, uh, singing. Um, Twice. Yep, two, two songs. Um, so that was good. Uh, yeah, so uh, what do you think about this idea of, of the, all the songs telling the story and of that being a sort of a m- m- more mature musical than some of the others we've seen up till now? Um, I think that you're right in... Uh, I'm not sure if it was... Uh, if I would draw the connection between maturity and all of the songs being relevant to the story, but maybe maybe that is a, a good in, uh, inference. Um, what I noticed about... The, the impact of this being one of their later pieces was it was a little bit indulgent, I think. Not not indulgent in the songs, like you're saying, well, they're all related to the story, but indulgent in the, like, um, story, in that the story was very slow. Yeah. And they were just expecting people to want to watch the whole 151 minutes of it because they were big blockbuster movies. Um and so I'd be really interested in picking apart the stories, the screenplay structure and seeing, can this be tightened up? Why does it feel slow? Is it, are, are there discrepancies in the scene in, in how it flows from scene to scene? But I don't think so. I think that there is this nice flow to the events. But back to the music, um, because the way that you talked about the songs relating to the story I think is used in more than one way not only are the lyrics of every song and the placement of each song appropriate to what's going on but also the melodic themes and some of the lyrical themes but mostly the melodic themes are used or repeated um, I think relatively simplistically like it's not like any of these are developed in such a way that Oh no, there are a couple of places, but and it's not developed in the middle of the piece, but only towards the end. Mm-hmm. So throughout the show, you get like a new song and then a new song, and then occasionally you'd get like eight bars or sixteen bars yeah. of a song that's already been sung mm-hmm. that the people are singing together. Um, and but most of the time it's a new song and and there's a lot of songs and that that's that's something that is also unusual mm. is that it's not like the greatest showman where you've got five you know showstoppers and nothing else mm. you've got um a lot of familiar songs almost every song that is sung is familiar there's like six or, or seven which are just beautiful um but you've also got these little um conversation style songs in between and I think this is helping to pave the way for rock operas later down the line Um, but also this is the development of the theme idea to talk Mm -hmm. about the way that they reprised songs at the very end Mm -hmm. that 
um, that is the way that I think music can be used in a really powerful way if you change the intention behind the piece. So when Emil is singing Some Enchanted Evening to, I don't even know her name, what's her name? Um, Frobish, wasn't it? Frobish, Mrs. Frobish. <laughs> Ms. Ms. Frobish. Um, and uh, at the start of the movie, it's like a proposal song. Yeah. Um, and then uh, throughout the uh, piece, they she goes on and off and on and off and um, eventually off and then he goes to this island and then she thinks that he's died and, and yep. so she runs to the beach, looks at this island and sings Some Enchanted Evening again and it changes the way that you hear that song and it's really important and powerful and that's what I think musicals can do that um, an album can't do that um, uh, a movie without music or without singing can't do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is something that's unique to musicals, um, which which I think can be, dare I say, utilised a lot. There's one other example, and that's the Tite Moi Pourquoi song that, the, that Emile's kids sing. Um, so he sings this with them at the very... St- um, just after he sings Some Enchanted Evening um, and then she Miss Frobish leaves and then the kids arrive and, and he's like oh yeah and has a scene with the kids which has absolutely no relevance to the story apart from exposition and that beautiful song that they sing that lovely childhood sing-along type of song um, is reprised at the very 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 end the last scene of the show where she sings, um, she sings that same song, you know, and shows, so she's made them food and, and they, they're eating the food and then they won't eat them unless she sings. And, <laughs> and so they sing that song together and, and it's lovely. And halfway through the song, <sighs> Emile returns from the dead and um, finishes the song and it's a beautiful happy ending and and that's again that's another uh, inversion another uh, version of the the song that that changes the way that you feel because you have this connection from earlier in the piece um, and it also reflects the way that the characters have changed so the way that she has changed in singing this French song, the way that um, he has changed after experiencing so much and come back to his family. One more concession. <laughs> Maybe I'll chop this and put it back in the original. <laughs> okay. But one more concession. He, I don't like the way that he fathers, he parents his children. Mm-hmm. It's it's very distant, I feel. Oh, like okay. when when he's talking about when it looks like she has completely refused him and is getting another assignment, um, he uh, goes and accepts this life-threatening mission as if he's got nothing to live for, you know? What about his kids? <laughs> and they're only like, they look like they're five and seven or something, you know? Oh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, with that concession done, um, that's what that, those are my thoughts on the music. Right, wow. Okay, so there's... Three-ish things for me to comment on. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, for a while, there, you know, just around the end of what you were saying, I thought, hey, hey, all these spoilers. But then I thought, well, actually, it is over sixty years old. I, I think <laughs> we can give a little few, a few spoilers. And here. the more, the better you know, the be- the more you know a musical, the better you know it. The more you enjoy it. 
there you go. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, it's okay. It's still a really good musical. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Um, in terms of the uh, the reprises of these songs, I regard those as sung like motifs. That mm. um, some enchanted evening is definitely Emil's song, and that uh, as in the um, Tu pourquoi? Yeah. The, the French song. Tout est moi pourquoi. Tout est moi pourquoi with his uh, children. Um, that's their family song. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he reprises the lines from his Enchanted Evening often when he's thinking of her or looking at her. Her name is Nelly, by the way. Ah. Um, going. <clears throat> so it's very much his theme. Mm. And for her. Uh, near the end of the movie, to take them up, as you've described, um, shows that she's um, taking on, um, you know, that partnership with him, which is really lovely. And so she's taking it on in song as well. So she's identifying uh, her feelings with his mm. by singing what is essentially, what are essentially his songs. Mm. Um, there are other um, uh, instances, there are two other instances um, of these sort of leitmotifs that are tagged, if you like, modern expressions to a character. Uh, one is Nelly herself, her very first song, Introducing Herself. She talks about being knucklehead and, and mm. an optimist and, and hope. And those lines yes, come really come back a couple of times um, uh, in the show, just to remind her that's her theme and that's uh, sort of this base character, that this you know, the, the character base. Mm. That um, someone has that, That's her um, And the last one of course is That beautiful Beautiful Other beautiful romantic song Younger than springtime mm. um, Which again is weird <laughs> You know can, Another concession that, It's just weird for this You know Lieutenant to be falling in love With essentially a teenager That's just weird But Okay Okay so there are some Cultural differences here Lots of te- <laughs> um, You know Teenage uh, marriages weren't necessarily as frowned upon oh, okay. then as, as they are now. Um, like he, he, look, he looks like he's 22 or something. Mm. At, that's the youngest he could possibly be. And he is a lieutenant. You know, like he's not mm. just some private. Mm. And, okay. and he's got a girl at home. And oh. <laughs> so, Very Saigon. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, this came first. Oh, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> well, there was Madame Butterfly before that. Yeah, it was. Uh, so all all very uh, yeah. So it's interesting just to um, hear those light motifs actually sung rather mm. than you mentioned it couldn't be done in a movie. Well, yeah, obviously it is, but instrumentally not oh. uh, not sung. A um, uh, couple of other things you mentioned the pace. Um, now again, I think that's fine for a fifties movie. Um, I think uh, yeah, movies of that time were a lot, mostly a lot slower. Um, it is a romance, so they're really trying to milk it. Mm-hmm. That sort of got me a bit. Just um, playing some of the songs a little too long for me. They sort of made their point. You know, Bully High is a particular one. That, yeah. um, I think they um, milked. Um, you had a particular word for it. Exploited. Exploited or <laughs> something like that. Um, the other thing is that um, this, what the 1950s were the age of the big movies, you know, cast of thousands. So looking at Ten Commandments and these kinds of huge movies. Um, and so I'm, I'm not surprised that um, they were trying to make a blockbuster out of South Pacific mm. at, at the end of this decade or near the end of the decade. Yeah. 
and the third thing I was going to say about pace was, um, well, for us, life is faster. We really, <laughs> we we expect movies to to move a lot faster than they did in the past. Mm. Just watch an old Battlestar Galactica episode, and you'll see <laughs> it, they'll they'll um, start the. Uh, the camera moving at the start of the spaceship and another two minutes later you just got to the end of the spaceship oh. you know it's, it's trying to show how long it is and how detailed it is and they, yeah okay we got it you know <laughs> move on so we, we expect something faster here um, beautiful movie um, lots of um, youth some fun humour in there from um mm. A couple of the characters. The script is, yeah, definitely wooden and, and out of date now, but um, still a still a sweet musical. Um, good messages. Um, yes, it's a different context how, than today, but it can still be enjoyed. Um, I recommend it. Yeah, um, and the other comment that I had about the music was that uh, you reminded me of Bali High, and I think that this. They didn't use a Polynesian sound, mm. but they did use um, this weird interval of the oh, the yeah. seventh, the major yeah. seventh, yeah. in in the scale. The melody is Bali High will call you something like that, right. um, and that has been used in multiple different situations, um, notably in the fifties with with Bond. He uses semitone. His theme uses a lot of semitones. So does Get Smart's theme, which is a, a takeoff of of spy themes. And again, notably, West Side Story. And um, so this this trick of the semitone representing something foreign because it is a, a very uh, it's it's the the most clashing. Um, uh, interval yeah. in the um, in the normal um, Ionian major scale. Yeah, seventh. Yeah. No, the the major seventh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So because that's the weirdest, um, most jarring interval in in our uh, nor in the normal key for music, um, it's used for for foreign situations. And West Side Story does it again. Right. Um, and some would say it develops it a lot better. Um, and I think there's just a lot more to develop in West Side Story than there is here. Whenever um, Bali High or the mystique of the exotic was, was referenced, then, then that uh, motif came oh, through. True, yeah. and, and I really appreciated that, um, the, that detail in the score. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that's all, all that I need to say about... Yeah. I don't need to say anything, but... Mm. Um, uh, even though this is a short episode, it's a very good episode. I don't think I need to edit anything. It's great. Okay. I really like it. Yeah. No, I love the movie. Um, it's fun. It's sweet. Um, you know, it's long. So get some chips or something. Yeah. <laughs> Make a drink halfway through. It's got an intermission, which is great. I mean, there are there are the things that we talked about in previous episodes, which we could mention again here, is the fact that most of the songs... The characters breaking out into song, they know that they're doing it. Yep. It's not a dream sequence. It's it's not like uh, they're um, in a strange musical world. It's like they are actually in real life, mm. but they're just singing all the time, you know? 
Um, and some of the times gels better than others. There are some times when, like, got to wash that man right out of my hair. Mm. It's a very normal thing mm. to, like, sing in the shower or, mm. or sing to your sing a funny jokey song with your friends right and then also to sing a love song to your to your um fiance is also a really normal thing and, and there's other sing a song with your family is another normal thing and, and so there are other times when when it's really appropriate for them to be singing as just normal people um but there are also um half the time where it's it's strange but we accept it because there's a lot of singing mm. Any comment yeah, on that? Yeah, I do. Apart from the opening chorus number, all the other songs are sung to someone. Mm. And so they're, they're very realistic in, in that sense. Oh, apart from that one song that she sings, I'm in love with a wonderful guy. The, That's to herself. Yeah. Well, before that, mm-hmm. she has this... Well, she, if you think that she's singing to herself, then fine. But then the the guys at the start could have been singing to themselves as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, um, except they were facing the camera. Is it... Standard right, chorus number, but right. it's good. But again, um, uh, Nelly's actress was looking at the camera twice in the oh, okay. movie. Like, oh. during her, that song where she was yeah. singing to herself about, I'm going to oh, tell those right. girls right. that... And they back her up in the end. And yeah. in the end, they, they become her backing vocalists. And that becomes even more naturalistic, I think, for yeah. them to be joining her in this song. I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Um, Endorsing it, really. Yeah, if not making fun of it. <laughs> uh, and the other one is is at the end when she, or close to the end when she and the lieutenant are singing about love. I guess she's looking at the camera. Um, I can't remember. There was it was a sequence of three really short songs that were beautiful, and you can't really remember their melodies. And one of them is you've got to be carefully taught. Oh, yeah, the hate song, yeah. So, yeah, you, you've got to be taught how to hate. And so that's the middle of those three. The first one, she sings, and then Emil enters, and she leaves, and then the lieutenant sings, you've got to be carefully taught. And then oh. at the end of that sequence, you've got um, Emil singing that amazing ballad. Oh, I just love that song. I love that song, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, It's so short. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, no, it, it, and it will come to me. It's a heartbreaking song. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's a beautiful song, and like many of these songs, it can be sung out of uh, context really successfully. Mm. It's really good. Um, big show-stopping songs. The the music, of course. Yes, the story was great, but the music is what makes this immortal. It's it's just great. Well done, Morris and Hammerstein. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm really happy. Thanks for watching South Pacific with me tonight. Yeah, thanks for suggesting it. It's a goodie. Mm, it is. I thought that we could watch one Rodgers and Hammerstein before we moved on to the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, 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 because sound, uh, what, what's it called? Not, singing in the Rain is 60s, right? Singing in the Rain was 51, wasn't it? Was it 51? Goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're pretty much done with the 50s now. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of iconic ones that we haven't looked at. True. Um, Sound of Music, I think, was mm-hmm. one of them. And, um, you know, some of the romances like High Society and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've, we've chosen some pretty iconic ones to, mm-hmm. to review. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, we're going to have a tough choice seeing, you know, which of these 60s musicals are we going to actually... Um, comment about so yeah. Yeah. so uh, stay tuned <laughs> but that for now that's good night from me and it's good night from him good night, night.